Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're hanging with actors, mimes, prostitutes, murderers, and counts as we watch Spine 141 of the Criterion Collection, Children of Paradise, directed by Marcel Carnier from 1945. But first, RJ, how's uh, how's life treating you? Um, I mean, it's there. What's the rumpus? The rumpus? In the rumpus room? Yeah. What's the rub? I hear people say sometimes. Not much, man. I don't even know what's been going on with me. I feel like I've been busy, but also at the same time, I can't really. I don't know what I've been doing. Yeah, I think. Does that, like, does that make sense to you? No, I don't know. I think like in the last week, we've only exchanged like maybe like about twelve messages. Total, yeah, total. So where, oh, where, where have you been? Okay, yeah. So this weekend was a total write-off for me. Um, so my. Uh, we were celebrating like three birthdays in the family this weekend. Uh, my brother, two of his girls, um, one of them was like a couple weeks ago, but no one got together. Uh, and then my dad. So what we did, uh, my brother and his family, they came into town, Jarrett, and they got a room at a hotel next to the casino, a hotel with water slides, baby, water slides. So uh, what they did, they did the right thing, uh, and their family of five invited about 30 people to the hotel, and we took over the pool. Jesus Christ. Uh, were we allowed to do that? Probably not. Did we do it? Yeah, you're goddamn right we did. Mm-hmm. You're goddamn right we did. Uh, so he just, like, let us all in. Uh, everyone, like, changed in his room or in the pool bathroom. It's not a huge pool. Uh, you can't do any, like, real swimming in it. It's mostly, like, a deposit for the water slide. And then there's a hot tub, too. Uh, and this water slide, Jared, I got to tell you, for, like, a little hotel water slide, this thing's got some serious heat. You fly out of this fucking thing. <laughs> like, you know if you go hot dog, uh, like, posture? You know, like, just... Mm-hmm. like straight hot dog, you can like skip across the water. It's pretty fucking <laughs> wild. Uh, and so what we did. Even a man of your carriage. Oh, you better fucking believe it. Uh, Andrea went in the full board. I think she almost touched the uh, the other wall, oh, like good. straight across. Uh, but what we did, Jarrett, because we're responsible adults, uh, and it wasn't under the persuasion of any any substances that were brought into the uh, swimming pool or anything like that. Uh, We had about five grown men going down the slide on a train and we did it in like short, like one, two second intervals. So it was like one, two, go one, two, go one, two, go. We had five, like 200 pound guys. uh, And you were just slapping that water and you had to get out of the way pretty fast. There was a few pileups where people got hit by uh, um, other other guys but uh the the interesting thing was the water so the water started doing like this 
uh, elliptical wave thing where like every time a guy would hit it, it would go way up on one side and like no water on the other side. And it was just kind of like waving like that. Um, when we left, I think there was about a foot of water left in that pool. So uh, we, uh, you know, we, we took care of business. It's a regular man pile. Yeah, you got that right. So uh, yeah, this weekend, that was like the whole day Saturday. I went to a pool party. It was pretty fun. Went down some slides, went in some hot tubs, uh, you know, had some pizza, had some candy. And then what else did I do? Uh, Sunday, we had a group brunch for the family. So that's pretty fun. And then I did all my work for the week. And then uh, I watched a, a TV show that was really long. But then, Jared, I made chili. And you know when I make chili, that's a, that's a whole day event right there. So I did uh, the good thing on Monday for that Remembrance Day holiday. I took spent the whole day making chili. And boy, let me tell you, you better get your D pants. <laughs> but that won't save you because this chili will blow those pants right off. Wow. You've tried my chili, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Did you think it was spicy? Uh, see, I don't know. You've been talking about this chili so much. You've been hyping it up. I don't even know if I've had any. You feel like, do you feel like just talking to me, you've had the chili? I don't know. I don't know if I have. Okay, well, next, this batch is already a couple days old, so I won't give you any of this because I know you're a huge snob. But next time I make it, I'll give it to you. The uh, two other people that have had it, um, I think their their exact comments were that it made them uncomfortable. So you take that as, as you will. So anyways, I was living my life, man. Just living. Well, what about you? You got anything new going on? Did you uh, settle in yet, or are you still a chump? Uh, well, I spend a whole lot of money on the weekend. Why don't you just brag about it a little bit more? Oh, Why don't you give me know. some of that um, Patreon money? Well, yeah, those thousands of dollars you rake in every oh, week. Oh yeah, man, we're rolling in it now, and now I can start furnishing this house up. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, no, just getting those things that you need in a house. You know, you get a new place. It's like it's time to replace that. Uh, that double uh, bed that you've been sleeping in for the last 10 years and uh, mm-hmm. get yourself uh, something of appropriate size and comfort. That, for uh, two uh, adult people and one adult cat? Yes, yes. Uh, lately, the cat has taken to sleeping in the bed with us, mm-hmm. so that's great. Um, he, he didn't do that before. Now he does mm-hmm. it every single night. That's good. Um, that's cute. Yeah, it, it is <laughs> until he decides, I'm hungry at 4 in the morning. And then he's really annoying. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the arrival of the new bed uh, that mm. we purchased to go along with the new couch. That God is damn. Custom, new furniture. Custom made. Custom made. made Wait to, a minute. Made to order, anyway. Can you elaborate? Because furniture is pretty expensive uh, when you get floor models. What is this custom made? You know what? Bougie that's ass couch you were buying. See, see that's the thing. Uh, I was shopping around, and this couch actually is costing less than floor models at a lot of places, and it looks better, and it's way more comfortable. Can we get them as uh, sponsors for the show? What's their company called? Uh, that would be the Bay. Oh, uh, really? Which actually like has some of the nicest furniture of any place I've been in. I mean, I'm not going up to, to fancy town. I'm not going to Cowtown. Mm. I'm not going where the high rollers live. I'm just like, you know, a basic boy here out on the prairies. And uh, I, But I also mm. like mm. want to be comfortable and have something that I can look at for the next like 20 years and be like, hey, I still like this. Um, and yeah, the only place doing like kind of this nice uh, kind of modernist furniture still 
uh, that's like actually, you know, has padding in the armrests, mm-hmm. uh, the bay. And they have some good brands, uh, one particular one called Palliser. And uh, we we found one out and uh, they're making it up. Should be here in like a month. Um, and that will, of course, go along with the new TV I purchased. Wow. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. If you're looking for a new couch, you can go to uh, the fine folks at Palliser. Uh, they are not a paid sponsor yet. But uh, hopefully they will be. Uh, on a side note, new bed, new couch, new TV. I just want to know what the code is to the Patreon so that I can get a slice of this pie. Well, uh, Because I don't know where your money is coming from, dude. Because I believe uh, you just bought a house. You should have no money. Well, it's called having a job, RJ. Um, uh, I don't have one of those. Yeah, yeah I know. I know that. Uh, when you're a student forever, mm-hmm. you generally don't have any money. But, uh, yeah. yeah, well, sometimes, though, when you save it up, you rub your pennies together, more money comes out of it. Um. <laughs> I would like to have money. Yeah. I like money. I'd like to have more of it one well, day. Well, you know what we need to do then, RJ? We, we got we to gotta grow that uh, Patreon pool. Well, I'm trying to contact the people at Pallets or Couches, have them listen to my chili story, see if it bodes well with them. Okay. I, I, can, uh, I can read line on this show, make it hot. Uh-uh-uh. Couches made for your butt. You know what though? What? We we should give some thanks to our patron patrons. Oh, we got any uh, any that you know of? Well, we got a new one just the other day. A new patron. This this Georgia Holschmeyer. Holschheimer. Jor- Georgia Holschheimer. Or maybe Jorge. I don't know, but he just signed up. And then um, we, got, we got we got some uh, longtime uh, patrons. We got that Eric Coronado. We got mm-hmm. Joshua Frazier. We got that mm-hmm. Lawrence Chrysak. We have mm-hmm. Mike, and we got uh, old Ollie Granger. I don't know any of those people. Well, that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But thanks to all ongoing thanks. support, and thanks, thanks to all future support. Mm. Speaking of Oliver, we got an email from that guy. Uh oh. What's he into now? Well, he wrote us an email regarding smoking in films. Oh. So he wrote right. he wrote in, to celebrate having a child, I had a cigar. I am now hooked and smoke a couple a week. Ooh, fun. Uh, watching older movies when dudes are just smoking big cigars wherever they want makes me want one so bad. I smoked mm-hmm. cigs as a teen, but really never got into it that hard. A few of my friends who are quitting smoking can't handle old films because people are smoking left, right, and center. I know, and one point uh, you did... Criterion cows. I will definitely be on the lookout mm. for Criterion cigars. Criterion cigars. It's possible. Uh, I've been known to dabble here and there in the uh, the the smoking. You know, the cigarettes, the cigars, the pipes. So uh, next time I have it, uh, you you say this. Oliver is a uh, patron. Uh huh. Okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll see if we can get him a, a link to my private account, my Snapchat, and. Uh, or, you know, just on Instagram. I can put up some Criterion cigars. There you go. I, I, I think he's talking about those ones on, in the movies that we'll be watching, along with those other cows. Uh, well, we've missed so many, though. I've been uh, pretty good with the cows that I, we have almost all of them. It's never too late to start. Like smoking? For yeah. real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think people should. everyone should. The more everyone smokes, the less people there will be. That's true. And the better we'll we'll all be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Co-signed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we got another email from one Frank Solano. <gasps> all right. What's he into? Well, he writes, what's up, dudes? 
Hope everything mm-hmm. is going well in Creepsville. Anyways, as I well. promised in the last email, I do have some movie questions and comments. And I also Uh-oh. have a few things that I've picked up uh, as I tread along the old episodes of the podcast. At the time of writing this, I'm currently at episode 42. Ooh. Uh, yeah. What's I'll, that? Uh, I'd have to check. You fucker. I'll look it up. Look keep it up. Talking. Okay. I'll try to keep the questions brief and numbered. So here we go. Number one, Ingmar Bergman box set will be added to the personal collections. Mm, well, I just bought uh, a whole bunch of furniture, uh, <laughs> so I have no money. Uh, mm-hmm. So unlikely. If uh, Jared had shared any of the money that we'd made, uh, I would have probably bought it. But um, he doesn't share with me, and I have no money. So uh, unfortunately... We probably won't be buying that box set, yeah. but it's nice to know that he's on episode 42, Black Orpheus, the surprise hit. The surprise hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jared, is it true you have a Blu-ray copy of Tarkovsky's The Mirror? If it's region one, where did you get it? Uh, actually, I saw this email a few nights ago, and mm-hmm. uh, in the process of unpacking stuff, I came across my copy of The Mirror. And it is not Blu-ray. I probably might have said that it was, but no, it is a lowly old Kino DVD of it. I don't know if the mirrors come out on Blu-ray yet. From the sounds of it, it hasn't. Fucking liar. I guess so. Look at what happens when you do stuff. Also for Jarrett, when is your directorial debut of Rape Ghost coming to theater? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember. Uh, uh, wait, wait. Actually, wait, you'd have to specify which time of Rape Ghost. Is it the one where you got all hot and bothered about Emma Watson? Uh... <laughs> I, see, think, I, I think it is. I think I, it is. Or what were you going to say about Rape I, Ghost? I, I don't remember. See, I, you have sometimes like this weird memory for this sort of stuff. Like to me, oh, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, this sounds like something I would say, but uh, I don't, I don't recall the specifics. I'm, I'm pretty confident we were talking about Emma Watson, and then we were maybe also talking about <laughs> uh, the Entity, the Rape Ghost yeah, movie. Yeah. And uh, I think you were, you made some kind of sly <laughs> comment about how you'd like to remake. Uh, or you'd like to make your own rape ghost starring her. Um, so, and everyone was uncomfortable and clearly people still are uncomfortable by you and your whole thing. This is, this is why we do a podcast. Cause it's all kept, it's like a, that mosquito and Amber, you know, you keep like, mm-hmm. the, the, these great things and if someone comes along and extracts it and uh, we all benefit. I can't wait until 10 years from now when people go back and they listen to that episode about the incubus and it's just they all they hear is a dump truck of semen was unloaded in her uterus. Uh, I can't wait till you're a school teacher and that'll it'll be great. <laughs> uh, it's okay. You can scrub my name from all of these episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For RJ, would you star in said rape ghost? Uh, I would star, but as the the victim, the lead. Oh, no, I, I no, will play no Emma one, Watson. No, no one wants that. If I start, well, if it was a ghost, you don't see them, right? <laughs> also for RJ, were oh. you ever punished for the broken toilet seat from two years ago? You left that detail out. Ah, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did blow out that toilet seat. Um, that was from the old rental. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, no, I was trying to hide that from Andrea that um, I broke it, but I wanted to see if she would ever find out. Yeah, she found out. She found out. Yeah. Let's just say that the uh, the matter or the matter was settled. There you Let's go. Let's just say that. Yeah. All right. Also, I finally ran into the episode where you guys address awesomeness is your two, three, two, one star review. And you know what? <laughs> Fuck that guy. He's a total prick. I looked him up on Reddit <laughs> to see what he's been up to the last two years, and I found out he bought a vape pen. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> this. Is a proud day in creep history 
that everything I've ever said has been validated <laughs> by this loser with his horrible opinions and his vape pen. Unbelievable. Nah. I feel I feel great. You know, I wasn't having the best day, but you know what? I am now. Yeah, RJ actually kind of leaned back and clapped his hands together. Yeah. That's, that's the best that's the best thing I've heard all week. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Frank can't see my genuine <laughs> smile and happiness that he just brought to me. Pure joy. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. I like that this awesomeness uh chap is just he's still going. He's still, still going. Still... I bet he's still making comments on other uh criterion mm-hmm. odds. Yeah, he's the he's the criterion cops. <sighs> Self appointed. <sighs> Do you think he vapes when he watches his movies? Oh, 100%. At least Oliver's like kicking it real and he's just smoking Big Daddy cigars That's while right. he's, he's watching. About Suspiria. It's an Amazon Studios release, so it should be on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime soon. It's also why I held off from mm-hmm. watching it in theaters, even though I really liked it and thought about going to see it again. I believe you read my review on the Letterboxd. I have. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I would probably go see it if it came to theater around here. Um mm-hmm. But that seems to not be happening. But uh, such and is life. <laughs> I, I would say, much like we talk about with uh, when we're talking about Filmstruck and just Netflix in general, we don't get the same stuff that everyone else gets. Our Amazon Prime is absolute horseshit. Yeah, uh, we have hardly anything on there. Other, so other uh, than like the well, we would get that because it's actually Amazon eventually, but not. Not like I'm looking on it right now and mm-hmm. it's not on here, but uh, yeah, yeah, we have a pretty limited, uh, limited uh, pool of uh, movies on our Amazon. Such yeah. a, so it goes. And my so last comment here a challenge, but <gasps> it's a challenge for all the old friends of the show. <laughs> Ooh. Oliver, Joshua, and others, you guys have been around for a while, but your voices have yet to be heard. So I challenge you guys to co host an episode as well. It would be pretty oh. shameful for the new guy to. Uh, you got to beat you to it. Oh, and it can't be even moved for love. That one's mine. Thanks again, creeps. Mm. Sorry these emails are so long. I got a lot to say. That's okay, Frank. That's okay. We like hearing from people. Yeah, we do like hearing from people, mm-hmm. especially when we have nothing to talk about. And then it leads us into talking about chili and couches that we own. Um, but yeah, that's cool. He can challenge those guys. They have been around. I think uh, Oliver and Josh have been around since like early, like to- uh, first 10 episodes maybe. Mm, pretty quickly yeah, yeah. I, like i uh just because i know uh all, oliver's handle I, I think he actually was one of the people that discovered us via your initial post on reddit promoting the the cup the cast oh yeah and see that was yeah it's like within the first two months those guys have been around so mm-hmm. yeah they should uh We're early adopters they, sh- they should find a uh, a creep that's worthy of um mm-hmm. their time then we'd have like some funny accents to go along with our weird accents alleged mm, funny that'll accents. that'll make a lot of people uncomfortable and then we'd be a true the true international sensation Ooh, i think everyone should come up for the monterey pop episode just so we all have something to talk about oh man yeah that's coming isn't it it's coming up soon <sighs> Hmm. anyways yeah I, i've been dreading that one because i have like it's, it's it's a music concert i, I don't know it doesn't have the arc of a gimme shelter even. It's, it's so. like eight hours long too. No, it's not that bad. It it's really, like no, eight it, hours long. No, it's not Listen that bad. Listen to me. Quit making up things again. Jared. 
The Wikipedia is wrong, actually, because I remember whatever last movie we watched, the Wikipedia said it was like 105 minutes, but the movie itself was actually like 120. Don't trust everything you read online. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Hey, RJ. What? Well, between like <laughs> what going, do you want? Go, going down like water slides and drinking and whatnot, uh, what you been creeping on? Drinking. Like he says I was drinking. Uh, anyways, you know what, Jarrett? Uh, one of these movies is a hotel picks. Oh, could you imagine? So uh, actually, what happened was on Friday, uh, I went out with my brother and like uh, my uh, brother-in-laws and stuff like that, and we went to the casino while uh, the girls hung out at the hotel. And then on Saturday, uh, the girls went out to the casino, and uh, my brother and I we hung out at the hotel, watched the kids. Uh, and you know what the kids wanted to watch? The BFG Baby by Steven Spielberg. That's right, Jarrett. Your famed, your favorite movie, the BFG. I know you were really looking forward to this, and you've talked about it a lot. <laughs> you know what's crazy, actually? Mm-hmm. On uh, Letterboxd, if you're ranking by popularity, the BFG outranks Munich. Yeah, that that's makes, pretty wild. Well, okay, so that makes that makes a little bit of sense because we live in that we live in the letterbox age now. The BFG got released in that window of time. And uh-huh. Munich's kind of like this obscure, like little serious drama of his, and it's like why a lot of people didn't go out of their way to watch that one, even when it came out, and it doesn't carry over. I guess, but I mean, like AI is pretty high up there. Well, the yeah, Terminal. Cause, cause, well, it's a big. Those are, that's a big budget movie. It doesn't have Tom Hanks. Does Munich have Tom Hanks? Uh, Munich has the only guy that matters. That's right. I'm talking about, um, Jeffrey Rush, baby. Uh, anyways, uh, I like Munich. Oh, we're talking about the BFG. So, hey, Jared, have you ever read the BFG? No, I haven't. No, you didn't have a good childhood and that's why you're so angsty. Mm-hmm. So I remember the BFG, uh, I think it was Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Yep, that's correct. That's a weird name, hey? What ethnicity is he? Can you look that up? English? <laughs> what is Rold? R-O-A-L-D. English? Okay, whatever. That's bizarre. Uh, so this is one of those movies, Jarrett, that's uh, half real life, half uh, CGI. Um, I remember reading the BFG in school. I don't really remember what it was about. but So I'm not an authority but I feel like there were some liberties taken with the uh, the principal story here, and they kind of they kind of did their own thing. Did they Shrek it? Uh, no, Shrek's good. I'm just... uh, <laughs> oh, I see what you're no. doing. Don't be dropping Shreks on me. You know I'm gonna blow out my butt. Uh, so the BFG, Jarrett, uh, you have a little orphan girl. Uh, she's hip. She's got glasses. She likes to read books uh and one day she goes to the window and there's a giant and he snatches her and the giant takes her home uh and she thinks he's gonna eat her but he is can you believe it jared big and friendly Mm -hmm. that's why they call him the bfg uh so he's talking to her she doesn't like him but then she finds out that he's pretty smart in his weird own weird own way he's got weird habits and behavioral things uh she's kind of weird too and she's like you know what maybe it's not bad being with the bfg as i'm an orphan i have no parents no one wanted me uh she's like maybe i'll fit in with this misfit but then she discovers that there are other giants on 
the island that they are hanging out at. Um, mm-hmm. Like names Flush, Flesh, Lump Eater, Blood Bottler. Uh, that's it. Hmm. That's it. Those aren't as cool. Oh, Manhugger. That's pretty funny. Bone Cruncher, uh, Meat Dripper, uh, Mad Masher. Uh, orphan girl no that's not a big friendly giant all right uh but hey the big friendly giant jared is played by your buddy mark rylance you know him no he, he knows him he knows him anyways so uh there's giants there and they do eat people so the big friendly giant is like trying to keep them away and then also the queen of england has problems with the giants because they don't want giants to eat people anymore so they enlist the bfg to make a plan to snatch up the other giants and get them out of like england um it's a pretty uh, complex story jared pretty complex uh it's not it's not great um I mean, I'm not the, the target for this, but uh, I think there's a lot of kids' movies that I actually do enjoy quite a bit. Like, some of them are just really good movies, and the story doesn't matter, like, what age demographic it's for. If it's a good story, it's like a good pu- story. Like, like uh, Puss in Boots? Like uh, like Puss in Boots. That's the one. Um, yeah, Shrek's a good example. Shrek's just a good movie, man. Don't matter if it's for kids. Do you are you going to go on like a, a giant watching spree? Are you going to watch some like I don't know I kill giants and like Jack the Giant Slayer? I could. I'm not going to. I mean, if the Criterion what movie if, was what if you giant were in, what if you were in a hotel room with a bunch of dudes with children? Again, uh, I I probably would watch another one, but I would probably watch um, Remember the Giants, that football movie with Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold. Or no, that's Little Giants. See, you're, now so. you're you see you're you're mushing together. Remember the I, Titans. I, I, yeah. See, I see, I told you it was a long day. That vape pen story brought me back, but uh, it's 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 fading. Anyways, yeah, I would watch uh, Little Giants. You know that movie with Rick Moranis, mm-hmm. Tom Arnold. Yeah. That's a good show. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, the CGI is kind of like it's whatever. It's that weird. What is what is it that they even do? It's like color grading or something where, like, there's. I don't know where there's like real deep tones on one side and not super deep on the other. Sure. I don't know. I don't have an art degree, Jarrett. <laughs> Explain it to me. Uh, anyways, it's, I don't know. It seems like a lot of people were like real mad about it because they're like my beloved BFG. And it's like, does anyone really love BFG? I don't know. Some people, I guess. Uh, it's fine. It's just, uh, as far as like kids movies go, it's pretty poorly, uh, it comes across poorly to humans, human right. adults. Hey, you know what isn't bad though, Jer? Uh, I watched some TV this week. Oh, uh, before I get into that, uh, since I have no movies, um, I watch, uh, that Jim Carrey, Michelle Gondry show, Kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that show is really good and I think people should watch it. I think that's a perfect vehicle for, uh, Jim Carrey to do, uh, the things that he wants to do now. And uh, the one thing that I think you would really like is that uh, classic Michel Gondry flair in uh, the production and the sets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Jim Carrey plays like, do you know what Kidding is about? It's kind of like Mr. Rogers-esque kind of yep. character, right? But he's kind of having having an awakening. Yeah, he, yeah. well, awakening slash breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, like Mr. Rogers, uh, but... 
but also like with um, Sesame Street. So um, it's like Jim Carrey and uh, Alan Arkin and uh, Catherine Keener, and they all work together on the show. And it's got awesome like puppets and stuff like that because that's what his whole show is about. Like his name is Mr. Pickles. And he lives in like the puppet world or something like that, but he's a person. Um, that stuff's awesome. All the puppet work is so cool in this show. Uh, it looks like a good show, uh, but it, it's also got some uh, some good stuff, some classic Michel Gondry stuff. So uh, that's all I'm gonna say. I, I just thought I'd bring it up because I like it. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. Check it out. Hey, you know what is a movie that's loggable on Letterboxd? Or yeah, yeah, I, I think I know. The Haunting of Hill House by our boy. Mike Flanagan. So uh, you have not seen this show, correct? Correct. Okay, I won't get into it too much, but I will describe a few things for you. Uh, do you know the book, The Haunting of Hill House? The by, uh, Shirley, Shirley Jackson. Uh, I've never read the book. I don't really know anything about the book, but it's kind of been on my radar of books to perhaps read sooner mm-hmm. than later. Um, and all, all I'll say about this show is that it seems like people who have read the book Mm-hmm. Um, and are familiar with the book and have watched the show have been less than fans of the show. Um, that seems to have some sort of impact yep. on it. And I don't know if that means, sure. but th- th- these, these dudes are also like old men, like mm-hmm. 60 year old men who are old hat horror types. And yeah. like, I don't know. I don't think they're liking that Mike Flanagan anyway. So, mm-hmm. I um, I, so I haven't read this one either. I have read Shirley Jackson, but I think it was like short stories or something like that. Sure, I don't like remember. Lottery and, yeah. Yeah. Like just stuff like that. Um, and I can see why people would be like that. Because people are always like that with like always. whatever their beloved thing is or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I think if I don't think that would matter for me if I read it, I would have been. I think this is just it's just a good show, Jarrett. Uh, so Haunting of Hill House by Mike Flanagan uh, centers on a family of seven mom, dad, five kids uh, as they move into this like big old crown Victorian like mansion out in uh like main area. That's right. Stephen King's backyard. Spooky. Am I right? Uh, so they move into this house and the parents, uh, they're kind of like contract or they're like flippers. The mom is an architect, uh, designer. And the dad is like a, a carpenter, handyman extraordinaire. So they like move into houses, fix them up, sell them and then move into new houses. Like that's their job. Uh, so you follow them as they move into Hill House and uh, some real spooky shit happens to all the kids, uh, almost all of them, like four out of the five. Uh, and the parents never believe them. Uh, but this show includes uh, a time jump where it's like 20 years later and you follow the kids as adults. Uh, and so every episode kind of j- jumps back and forth between when they're kids and then when they're adults. Uh, and it's a really good way to show like what the characters are going through. So it's like something will happen as a kid and then uh, like they'll tell their parents and they won't believe them. And then as an adult, they'll have a problem and it'll kind of mirror in a way like what was, what was happening to them as kids. Uh, So one of the kids is a big skeptic. He like never really believed this stuff. So he's kind of always the one like that draws attention to stuff that happened before and then stuff that happened or is happening like in the adult lives. A couple of the other kids are like super tapped into the supernatural stuff. So they're always like big advocates for is like, no, no, that stuff was real. And we all kind of went through it. Uh, So each kid like has their own kind of thing. And you bounce between both of them at like for every episode. Um, The first five focus on the 
um, each one of the kids in one of the episodes, like what their story is. And then it's over the same like two days. So the first episode starts and you're on uh, the skeptic. And then over two days, you see what happens to him. And then you hit like a big event. Uh, and then the next episode is a different one of the kids. And then you see like two days earlier and then leading up to the big event. And then at episode six is when the event happens. And then the rest of the show kind of goes from there. Um, so I'm just like describing this to you. Uh, but as I always say with our boy, Mike Flanagan, he is the master of grief, loss, death. He, uh, he really knows what he's doing. Uh, I think this show is fantastic for the way that they, show like uh the character development and the way things like the way the way effects have on them as like kids how it gets like expressed as adults and why that might be and their interactions with each other so it's like it's kind of a big family drama about like the interpersonal relationships they have with all these other people that they like don't really like anymore but they kind of all share this this huge experience with each other. Uh, I think it's great, man. I think this show is really good. Um, I know there's like a big debate on Letterboxd now where people are like five stars masterpiece. And then a lot of people are like, oh, that's that's really like uh, hyperbole, exaggeration. That's like over the top, man. It's not that good. Uh, I think everyone needs to settle down. Uh, just enjoy it. I think it's amazing that this is on Letterboxd at all. Uh, as shows like this uh, <laughs> routinely, <laughs> routinely get taken down. Well, like they're doing it with Netflix shows now, but it's like, where do they so, draw the line? Li- here? Li- yeah, limited series, I think, now have a pass. Like if it, it has a definitive, like beginning, middle, end, like a mini series, uh, they'll be like, okay, fine. Because there's like a bunch of BBC mini series and stuff like that that show up. And this is just a mini series. So Roseanne had a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Well, the idea was that it was going to continue on, but that was also an t- actual television series that never mm. actually had a planned finish. It, it Roseanne? Wound, it, yeah, and it wound up oh, like okay. that. I guess it's kind of like uh, the deb- it's more of the debate of uh, Twin Peaks The Return, mm. whether or not that's considered. Because season three of a show, but it's like what? 25 years later. and What about the TV show Dinosaurs? That has a definitive end. But it didn't at the beginning. Well, they all died. Well, eventually. We all die. Oh. So we're all... We're, so, not, we're, all, we're not movies, RJ. Anyways, Jarrett... Uh, I, so I'm kind of, I'm trying to remain vague because I think you should watch this cause I think you would get a lot out of it actually. Um, this is kind of in your, your wheelhouse, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this with Andy and she really likes it, but, uh, she actually got pretty spooked. She was spooked pretty hard. Hmm. Uh, she had to turn a lot of lights on the last couple nights. What a uh, whenever she moves her. yeah i know i told her she's like are you not scared i was like no i was like i'm not getting scared from this uh there's no like jump scary things in this it's kind of like creeping dread which uh i think is way better anyways but there's a couple like depictions of ghosts that i think are really really wicked uh there's one i don't know if he has a name i'm just gonna call him like the tall man ghost the way like he moves around space like with his body i think is awesome like that's one of my favorite uh for the show, at least, it's definitely like my favorite depiction of the ghost. Um, he's super cool. Uh, during the kids phase and in the adult phase, the way they do it, I think, is awesome. Uh, and then one thing too, Jared, uh, whoever did the casting for this show should get a fucking Nobel Prize because going from the kid actors to the adult actors, the more you watch it, you're just like, holy shit. 
These are the same people. They look so much alike, like the subtle details in their appearance, like their faces and like the, the way they kind of do stuff. It's, it's amazing. The casting in this show is pretty amazing. Mm. I'll tell you that much, Jarrett. Uh, my favorite character episode is Luke. He's a little little kid. He's a uh, super cutie. He's got glasses. Oh, you'll be happy to hear that all the kid actors are actually pretty good in this show. There's none that like really annoy you, except uh, the the kid who grows up to be the skeptic, uh, who is also Dario uh, Naharis or whatever his name is from uh, Game of Thrones. Um, that kid's a little shit, but he's like supposed to be. Andrew really hated him. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, a lot of people talk about episode six mm-hmm. uh, because it's like the long shot episode. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. I didn't really know about that when we were watching and we were about like 15 minutes in. I was like, I was like, whoa. I was like, do you realize that they haven't like broke the camera at all yet? And Andrew is like, oh, weird. Like there's a couple spots where you can see like throughout the whole episode there's like uh there's obvious ones and then there's a couple spots where it's like oh that's probably where they like yeah. cut away mike, mike flanagan it, has a twitter post about that episode yeah. it's it's pretty impressive though like i'm not one that usually likes uh i don't equate like long shots with quality <laughs> like just because you can film like a 20 minute scene doesn't mean it's um it's good but i think this one is good because of the way that the camera moves so it's it's kind of like active like it's moving room like around and they're doing like a lot of really unique stuff uh one thing that i thought was really good is um this is when you first like the the dad first sees the kids again uh after like 10 years because like none of them want him around anymore because of things that you'll see uh and the way that they show like the way he kind of like views them and things like that i thought was real good real good Jared. but um yeah no uh hill house is a pretty good show i i like it quite a bit hmm. i think you should watch it i think the buzz is real i think pe- i do think people need to settle down but uh uh no it's it's very good uh i like this flanagan guy <laughs> this flanagan but uh yeah that tall man ghost he's pretty rad hmm. pretty rad Cool. What about you? Did you watch any movies or are we done? Yeah, I watched like four uh, Haunted House movies the last week. Really? How come? Because. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that, go, that, that, that goes along well with your watching this haunting on a hill house. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what did I watch? I watched this one called The Evil. Um, and uh, I, I think I fell asleep for a part of this movie. Um, well, it's just very generic. It is mm-hmm. the definition of people moving into a house to do some, some research, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're not, sorry, not research. So this movie, it opens up with Richard Crenna, uh, uh, Who? Colonel from, uh, Rambo. Klinger? Crenna, Richard Crenna, oh, okay. who's like, kind of like, uh, the seventies Brian Cranston in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. They they buy this house. They're gonna do a bunch of renovations, and then uh, oh shit! There's a there's demons and stuff hanging out, and they're killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing very interesting with the telling of this movie. There's a reason why people don't talk about the evil, despite it having a cool title and uh, kind of like a neat poster. It's just mm-hmm. very by the numbers kind of haunted house stuff. Mm, like us. Like us, by the numbers mm-hmm. podcasting. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I followed that up with uh, a 2012 uh, small little ghost haunted house movie called 
I Am a Ghost. Uh, hmm. So this movie kind of resembles a ghost story in, in a couple of ways. It's very simple. It is very independent. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like this movie probably was shot for like probably less than like $10,000. Um, as you can see from the lack of cast and pr- production value and wigs and clothing. Um, and it's just about this woman who is a ghost and mm-hmm. she's in a house and she doesn't know she's a ghost really. And she just keeps like repeating things over and over and over again. Uh, and it's kind of shot in this like kind of almost Instagram filter kind of like has a kind of like soft edge frame around it. Uh, which is kind of like a ghost story. And I'm like, hmm, that's a weird coincidence. Uh, and it's just this thing where she's like kind of repeating these things over and over and over again. She's in a recursion. She doesn't get why. And then a a medium, a psychic, kind of gets contact with her uh, and starts like telling her, hey, you're a ghost. And the people who live here uh, are sick of your shit. Um, you don't actually ever see the people. Like, mm-hmm. She's kind of like out of step with like reality. That's kind of an excuse to like have less people and less people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what she was when she's doing these things, like just like frying eggs and then like making breakfast. Uh, she keeps like having these moments where she kind of cuts herself and then keeps repeating herself. You're not exactly sure why it's doing this, but then it's kind of explained in story what's happening and the fact that she doesn't remember these things. And it's because she's a schizophrenic ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, or like her, when she was alive, she was schizophrenic and didn't realize what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the first hour and mm, 10 minutes of this movie. I was really not a board at all. This thing is very, I mean, it's very low budget, but the, the acting's poor. I, or I would consider it pretty poor, or at least amateurish. Um, mm-hmm. Even like the psychic, who you never see, you only hear her voice. Her line reading is like really flat. And you're like, come on, you could re-record every single thing you're doing here. Like, just, just do that. Um, it never looks great. And that's mm-hmm. like one thing you can do when you have like such little resources is you could like make your movie look better. And I've seen some people who seem to be like fond of the way this looked. I just thought like the it was really desaturated in the worst kind of ways. But then, RJ, mm. the last, like, 10, 15 minutes come about, and it's, like, in a weird way, like, I thought it was, like, pretty freaky. Uh, all, what, what do you what, mean, freaky? Well, what happens is, is you see the guy that's in her head, and he shows up. And this guy they decided to depict is a naked man. Um, he's just full-on naked, wearing, like, full-body white makeup. And mm-hmm. it's a little on the creepy pasta side. We'll have another one there, buddy. Um, uh, that was just, I just moved and my mic fell, okay? Yeah. Tell me about your creepy pasta. So this little, this like dark eyed sort of dude shows up. Kind of looks like a WWE superstar Dean Ambrose. Um, and and uh, I, I think I would have made the note that uh, in my review that what a ghost story was missing was having Paul Dano show up and uh, run around with a kitchen knife killing Casey Affleck for like the last 10 minutes of that movie because that's what happens and it's just non-stop intense like sound design uh of just like this woman running and constantly being murdered over and over again by this intense naked man um and it's like really like what the fuck and like it's just keeps, like a weekend at your place uh not unlike uh me descending the stairs with my balls hanging out all over the place um wow. yeah so like the, the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of this movie are, like, very intense and, like, mm-hmm. kind of bump it up to, like, oh, that was, like, pretty unexpected and I wasn't expecting it to get 
where it went and how it pays off. Uh, mm-hmm. Very strange. Uh, it feels like a movie that should almost be remade. Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe by the same director with more money and like maybe like pump full all, pump all those ideas they maybe had and like just pull it off again. Because it just seems like almost like a a rough draft, but it seems like there's not a lot of uh, interest in uh, this this fella's films. Hmm. But uh, like this movie's got a sweet poster. Uh, the opening credit like title card is amazingly beautiful. Like it's gorgeous. And it's like man, mm-hmm. there's all these little things going for this movie, um, and it seems like people really like it. Whereas I would reel that in a bit. But I think the ending kind of like because usually. Movies start out strong and then they end weak. This movie is mostly weak until the ending. So, yeah, yeah it's a weird effect because it's very rare that movies are like that ever. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, can I ask you something? Sure. When are you going to watch Hereditary? Uh, sometime soon. I, I have it. Okay. It's on the ready. Because I- there's a lot of stuff we're talking about, like you, me, both of us, the two people that host this podcast, that I feel like you should watch Hereditary because you're picking up on like things, and then there's other things, and it's like just watch it already. So you can talk about stuff. Okay. Yeah. So uh, next up here, I've got the house that would not die. So this mm. film is directed by one of your boys, John really? Llewellyn Moxie. Whoa, my uh, my dude. Yeah, your dude, dude that so I love. This yeah. is uh, not one of his. Best showings. Oh no! Yeah, so you this, should have watched *A Taste of Evil*. Uh, I guess so. Um, so yeah. anyway, this this is a TV movie, 1970. Uh, the synopsis: A tale of witchcraft, black magic, and a haunted house in the Amish country. That la- <laughs> that last part has like nothing to do with anything. Oh, there's no Amish people. Eh, there is. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything. I don't understand. Like everything mentions that. And it's like that. I had nothing to do with the story at all. Like it was just like. It could have been anything. So this movie stars the Lady Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and this the guy, Lady Eve? Yeah, Barbara Stanwyck. Okay. Uh, and uh, Richard Egan, this really intense-looking, like, dude with his, like, dentures and his smiling <laughs> through his dentures. Uh, lots of zoom-ins on this guy's face. You really get to know this dude's face because he just seems like a bad yeah. dude. Ba- he's, he's got that bad dad vibe. Like that. I don't like it when you say stuff like that. Yeah, he's got that, uh, I don't know. Looks like a guy that'll like beat your wife a little bit, you know, in a good way. Yeah, the good beating your wife way. Um, hey, you you said it. <laughs> so uh, this movie, I don't even know. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck and uh, her niece Kitty Wynn, who shows up in The Exorcist, they, mm-hmm. they move into this house that they inherited from their aunt, and they're like, "Oh, this place is great." And then it's like immediately weird things start happening, and. Uh, nothing's too, nothing too extreme, nothing too crazy other than like just your run of the mill kind of possessions of spirits mm-hmm. trying to like reveal what really happened in the house. Richard Egan seems to be being possessed by fucking, I don't know, Amish angry guy who like, just like likes to <laughs> kill people. Um, nice. and, and there's like involving like scenes involving use the mace, spray him in the eyes. It won't hurt him, but it'll stop him. <laughs> And they're like, when when it comes to like, oh shit, he's gone bad. Go get the mace. And it's like, why didn't you? Why weren't you? I thought you were supposed to be just carrying it with you. Oh, it's mm-hmm. over there in the giant thing that says mace in like ninety eight point font. <laughs> um, I don't know. Again, the I've been kind of digging through these uh, haunted house movies. I've seen like all the the big ones, 
And so I'm like, well, you know, maybe maybe out there there's some some good little ones. And, hey, you know, it's uh, a haunted house movie you should watch. Just Hereditary. Is it really a haunted house movie? No. Yeah. See, so okay, so you're looking for more though. Uh, I've got a list, and I got some rewatches lined up. Um, and then last night or something like that. I don't know. I think it was last night. I watched House of Lost Souls. Mm-hmm. So this belongs to uh, a never aired uh, made for TV series of episodes of like it was like all haunted house movies mm-hmm. two of them were directed by umberto lezzi lenzi and two of them were directed by lucio fulci and uh they were, oh. they were being made in the late 80s uh but they were too gruesome for tv so uh instead they got uh directed video releases that's cool yeah so this house of lost souls um rj are you familiar with a film called the shining no, I've never heard of that. Is it popular? Yeah, some people seem to like it. It's directed by that Stanley Kubrick fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, House of Lost Souls, uh, it takes an awful lot, an awful lot from The Shining. But it also demonstrates why Stanley Kubrick and The Shining are considered good. And mm. uh, no one talks about House of Lost Souls outside of the like hilarious number of decapitations in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about children and annoying child actors and whatnot. Mm. And well, this movie, this movie's got you, got you covered there in that department of annoying children. Cause holy fuck, this kid is a little moppet on top of it all. This movie's also dubbed. Like, I don't know if there's like an Italian language version kicking around with subtitles. Cause the one mm. I got, it was all English dub all the time. And boy, children dubbed are like, it's like the worst sound in the world. Um, uh, he fucking gets it bad. And it's awesome. I was so happy. Uh, he mm. sticks his head in a like in a washing machine, and his head just gets fucking cut off. And then there's like a Ooh. scenes of like his head tumbling inside of it, and it's like real nice looking. And I was like, it's pretty cool. This is very nice. Um, yeah. So this whole thing's about like a like Jack Nicholson like figure who uh, killed his like I don't know. He just kills killing people. Um, like th- those people back in America in like the turn of the century they were like killing people out in the farm <laughs> I don't know if you I can't remember the name of the family like it was like these like this family of people like people would come along they're like yeah Steven stay here the night and then they were they killed. the Duncans yeah the Duncans okay uh, so anyway, it's kind of like that idea, but then he like winds up killing everybody and he gets hung, but now his ghost mm-hmm. and all the victims are hanging around the house and killing hapless fools that have stumbled across it. And his gimmick was just decapitating people. So you get like a bunch of gags setting up that over and over and over again. It is very late, uh, late 80s, very European in the dress, very um, lots of fluorescence and stuff like that. Ill-fitting clothes, baggy, uh, big loafy hair abound what kind of hair loafy hmm can yeah. you elaborate uh like you know standard hair you know what i'm talking about lots of hair in the back is uh, it barn ish ex- excessive hair you know you, sometimes mm. you, you need to trim that shit down look like a human being hey settle down over there stuff that this is what happens when you have an animal this is what happens when you have an upstairs you're an animal yeah so yeah, uh, of the it was okay, but yeah, definitely the the winner of the haunted house four films I watched was I Am a Ghost just because of that really crazy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Remembrance Day this past weekend, Ooh. so I remembered uh, by watching Don't. The Lost Patrol, a John Ford film about mm-hmm. uh, a British uh, squad of troops. 
uh, in World War One, traversing the desert, uh, Lawrence of Arabia style. And it's kind of like, it's been described as kind of a survival horror film because mm. it's, what it's about is these guys, they're like a uh, captain gets killed by a sniper and he's mm-hmm. the only one who knew where they were going. And now they're like, well, that's great. And so they just kind of march and march until they find like a little oasis and they're like, oh, fuck, we're fine. We've got horses. We're good. But they're like, watch out for those Arabs. They'll, they'll come up behind you and they'll slit the your who? throat. The Arabs. And okay. that, that's what they talk about because it's like 1934 pre-code. And sure enough, their uh, one uh, guard, stay, uh, keeping watch, he gets stabbed in the back and all the horses mm. get stolen. And then mm. the rest of the movie uh, is just like them getting picked off one by one by unseen snipers. Uh, Boris Karloff is in this as a religious fanatic uh, <laughs> who's doing no, nobody any good. Um, it's, it's got like a weird like kind of like that Howard Hawks kind of jokey uh, men being men and like, oh, blow it off. It's not going to work out too. It'll work out fine, fellas. But then more and more of them get picked off one by one. Um, and it gets grimmer and grimmer. Uh, religious fanaticism. Uh, great image of that, of Boris Karloff walking across the desert with a kind of a cross that he's fastened together to like use mm-hmm. the power of Christ to walk through sniper bullets and stuff like that. <laughs> It was uh, it was okay. It was the first movie I used to test out the uh, the new TV. Which of course you know, wow. I, I uh, you know of course pick out a 1934 DVD um, to like watch on a 4K television because I'm just that kind of loser. Anyways, RJ, I also watched to wrap this up a Don Dollar film. Don Dollar, is that the man who brought us a night beast? And the alien factor. Alien factor. Yeah. So this little number, uh, it involves uh, a fiend, a like a, little, a, a red floaty light thing okay. that, that kind of moves across the screen and then it mm-hmm. goes into a grave and it reanimates a body. The body immediately gets up, finds a couple that were like having lunch in the graveyard, and it like the corpse then absorbs life energy. Uh, oh, of via course. Via the fiend, and then he starts like getting flesh and like recovering from being a rotty corpse. Uh, he then like takes like a month to find a house. Uh, mm-hmm. that he's like, I remember this house. And then he like just moves in because it's for sale and nobody seems to care. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, like I, I don't know how that works. He's like, wouldn't someone be like, hey, where'd my real estate sign go that I put up because I'm trying to sell this house? Oh, there's like a guy who lives in it now. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. And he's like a real uh, John Wayne Gacy looking kind of dude. Living nice. in, He lives in a cul-de-sac with all these kids. He's a real creep. And uh, he's next door neighbors with this guy. He's got that kind of Nick Offerman vibe. And actually, they mm-hmm. both kind of look like Nick Offerman. So there's like some weird things where it's like, are these like actors' brothers? Because Don Dollar, you know, he's like the the Baltimore filmmaker who just like worked with friends and family and made these movies in his like backyard. And uh, this is a movie about like essentially a serial killer, but it's also possessed by a fiend, like a a, mm. deep, a demonic presence that absorbs people. So there's lots of like. Uh, rotoscoping like effects of him absorbing people's life energies in people's backyards and out in parks. Um, he's got real. Where else? Uh, where else? Basements. He does it in his own basement. Nothing can stop him. There's a cat named Dorian. Uh, 
who gets gets fucking tossed aside in one scene that was like, hey, that's not cool. Why don't you just pick up that cat? Oh, you lost me. No. <laughs> you lost me again, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch bad movies. <laughs> you watch. You should watch good movies like me, like the BFG. Yeah. What were the animal violence is all CGI? Uh, no, there were. Um, I I forgot to mention there was like exploding fart corgis in that movie. Just FYI. Hmm. You just, lost uh, me. You lost me, RJ. Hey, just so you know, just uh, FYI, uh, the uh, the giants uh, fizzy drinks, uh, the bubbles go down. So the joke is made that if the bubbles go down, where do the burps come out? And then everyone explodes into farts. Even the queen's corgis, Jared. Wow. Can you imagine? Well, okay. So you watch some haunted house movies. I think you should watch Haunting of Hill House next. Uh, I believe uh, your significant other would also enjoy that show. Or has she already watched it? She uh, watched half of it and wasn't into it at all. Really? How come? She just doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care oh. about ghost stuff. It means Do you? It's, uh, no. Yeah, I, I just watch haunted house movies for fun. And, and See, in I the time them, that you watch I, those I movies, them. you could have watched like half of Flanagan. See, okay, so this is my other problem. So this thing's like what it's over? Long. It's eight, over eight hours long, probably because what eight episodes? No, no, it's it's more than that, man. It's okay, ten I, episodes. Okay, I have zero interest. Some of now. them are over an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I Come think, on, there's no way. It's no. good. No. It's good. It no. is. I'm going to hate it, dude. It's Netflix. They don't know how to edit stuff. Uh, it's going to be brutal. Because when I see episodes like an hour and eight minutes, it's like, fuck off. Sopranos episodes weren't that long. And that's like, that That actually deserves to be like what it is. This mm-hmm. is like, it's just, this is the problem with Netflix. They should be like reining this in. I'm like, oh, we have to get all these plot beats in. That's why I gave up on Stranger Things. It's just like, it doesn't need to be this long. You have no ideas to fill this time. I think this would be the show... <laughs> that would possibly make you not feel that way. I don't know, man. I'm not not I'm not overselling it. I think you would like this show. Hmm. I, I think I, you would I, like you would be like, yeah, that's a good show. I'm glad I watched it. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think the fact that it has Netflix involvement is going to I, I'm gonna have mm-hmm. a hard time getting into it. That's why this is also why I've been not rushing into watching it either. Even though I like Mike Flanagan. You do hey, do you like Mike Flanagan? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you should watch his new TV show. <laughs> hey, RJ. What? You got, you, got, you got any news? Hey, did you know that Ben Wheatley, that's right, the director of Kill List, is making a Rebecca remake? I did not know that. Uh, and he just got actress Lily James and star of your movie of the year, Call Me By Your Name, Army Hammer. To be in the Rebecca remake, I don't oh, know who Lily yeah. James is. Uh, Mama Mia Two, oh, Darkest, Oh Baby Driver. Ben Wheatley hasn't really done anything great though outside of Kill List. Cause, yeah, I heard like, High Rise was pretty dumpy. That movie sucked. I didn't like that at all. Uh, Sightseers, I've never seen, and Free Fire. Uh, Free Fire, I think I've heard is like not good at all. Or it's like very like some people like it and other people don't. And uh, Field of what is it? The dumps. The, the mushroom one. Yeah, Field of Dumps. Feel the feel the death, uh, yeah. That movie I did not enjoy at all. Oh, that's too bad. Well, anyways, I thought uh, I should talk about it since we've uh, it's a remake of Rebecca. Yeah. Anyways, uh, do you watch any good trailers this week? Um. Well, uh, after like getting over Stan Lee's death, uh, oh, I, it yeah. was it was uh, put upon me uh, by listener Lawrence to uh, weigh in or watch the Pokemon 
Detective Pikachu trailer. Um, mm. Okay, wait, before you go on anymore, I know Lawrence Krychek was a big fan of the Pokemons, but were you in any capacity a Pokemon? No? No. Okay. I, I, I sold Pokemon cards to children that were very annoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that was about it. I thought it was a card game. I didn't even know it was a video game at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, obviously, I'm aware of it and the fact that it's still going. When I saw grown ass adults uh, running around a couple summers ago during the height of Pokemon Go, I just continued to shake my head. And uh, yeah, that's been my relationship with that whole thing. I did see the mm-hmm. Pokemon movie in theater because by going, you would get Mewtwo cards. That's that you true. could then turn around and sell. And so I was an extra uh, ass in a seat to get said card. So What did you think of that movie? It was an animated movie for kids. Were you not a kid? No. <laughs> I was 10 when that movie came out. How old were you? Uh, 17 or 18. You fucking chump. I don't know. All right, so tell me about Detective Pikachu. What did you think? That did tr- you think th- it could have been better with Danny DeVito? No. Okay, so... There are elements of it. Like, I think it looks cool. Like, the actual look mm-hmm. of it looks pretty nice. But they really didn't do a very good job, in my opinion, of Pikachu. Pikachu shouldn't, of like... Pikachu? Yeah. I don't really like the way he looks. And Ryan Reynolds' voice sucks. I I hate his voice. I hate mm-hmm. Deadpool. I, he sucks. And uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. But obviously, I'm in a minority there, because people think he's great. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like Ted. It's Right? Isn't is this just Ted? but like Pokemon and real player, ready player one. That's what this feels Mm. like to me. It feels like a lot of like bad stuff. And uh, I don't know. There's parts of it where I'm like, well, that's neat. Like, this is like an interesting idea where it's just like, yeah, it's the real world and everyone's got little Pokemons and they're walking around with them. That's cool. I like this world building idea. It's like Roger Rabbit, but I know it's like not going to be like that at all because Mm -hmm. uh, we are here in... 2018 going into 2019 I know what type of movies people make and uh, it's just not going to be anything I really want to see so that's my that's my response Uh, I think Pikachu looks like cruddy with fur like real looking fur and he looks just off like he doesn't it should be really easy to nail that look and maybe it's like maybe Pikachu doesn't translate well to looking realistic whereas other things look fine like a Charizard or like the Squirtles (laughs) So you thought those guys looked fine, but not the Pikachu? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know what I think people glossed over a lot is the cage fighting that they show in this trailer. Which is what Pokemon is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I always uh I always struggled with that, Jarrett. This yeah. uh caged animal oh, fighting. Yeah. No, this this is uh this has been a conversation that uh Lawrence and I have had. Uh he's mm-hmm. he's he's aware that yeah, you're basically it's, it's is, like it's it's cockfighting. Which is the reason I always thought that they couldn't make a movie. I was like, mm, it'd be a, it'd be a tough sell. But I think they found they're out with this detec- this detective gimmick. Mm-hmm. You see? <sighs> well, Jer, um, I, I I don't know. I thought it looked cool. I'm gonna check it out. I'm a Pokemon kid. I'm gonna mm-hmm. check it out for sure. Yeah. Uh, I did like the look of stuff. I thought. Uh, I thought they looked fine. I thought uh, more people were in an uproar over the furry uh, Jigglypuff <laughs> as opposed to the furry Pikachu. Hmm. People were real upset about that, apparently. Uh, as far as Ryan Reynolds go, yes, I would have much preferred Danny DeVito, but we don't live in a perfect world. 
Yeah. If it was Danny DeVito, would you have liked it more? I don't even get it. Like, why does he? Why does he talk like like a dude, not just a Pikachu? Uh, so the little bit that I know is that. Okay, so just go with me here, Jarrett. I think that in the trailer, the police chief is talking to the kid about how he's not like his father, how his father was a great detective. I'm pretty sure Pikachu is the reincarnated, like the soul of that kid's father put into the Pikachu, and that's why he can talk to him. And the movie is about like figuring it out. But I'm not sure. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the Pokemons. The Pokies and the Mon and the Hippin and the Han. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, you got uh, you got anything else hot to talk about? No, I, I, think I don't think there's anything else happening in the world at all. It, nothing's happening whatsoever. Life is just at a standstill. Oh, some Stan Lee died. Yeah. You could talk about that. No. Nope. I know you were a big fan. Uh, are you looking forward to CGI Stanley? I'm looking forward to all the people that when you were at the comic shop tomorrow, mm. all the people who are going to be like, did you hear Stan Lee died? Oh, man. You know, okay, wait, oh, I got one for you. So um, on my Facebook feed, somebody I know commented on some like comic store selling shit website mm-hmm. how uh they made some comment about how they um what was it they had were canceling orders made for stanley signed memorabilia because the inventory on their website ref- did not reflect their actual stock and it had out of date prices <laughs> as you can imagine um, um that they uh you know their prices reflected a living Stanley sign mm. autograph, and now he's dead, and they didn't have a time to jack up the prices. Adjust. So mm. all, so they're just they're going to cancel the orders, and then they're going to repost them, and <laughs> so of course you know how that would go over for most people. But of course, like mm. I couldn't help but like just think that every single person commenting uh, are all scumbag speculators. Oh yeah, and uh, they, they're they're just mad that they're oh. they're not able to cash in and, and be like and get legitimized. Yeah. It's just hilarious to me. It's like because they have no irony. They they don't get that they're mm-hmm. they're horrible people themselves. I'm just trying to make an honest buck off the dead guy, <laughs> and this guy wants to make a fucking dishonest dollar off of him. What the fuck? It's like okay, you're, you're all horrible people. Just like you, Jer. Just like me. Just like you. Yeah, you're gonna get a wave of uh, a wave of that, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Stanley was old. He was so, I saw. I met him like five, six years ago, and I was like, "That dude is fucking old." Well, he was ninety at the time. Yeah, and he got to ninety-five. But those elder abuse people were uh, making him go to conferences so that he could uh, make money. Mm-hmm. It's make, pretty make, shitty. Make that girl earn. Uh, yeah, Stanley was old, and uh, you know, I don't want to be mean, but maybe it's better that he's dead. You know, maybe, maybe it's better than, maybe he's not in like, maybe, maybe he's better. <laughs> Jared? Maybe. I don't know. He was old. You can go, uh, go to the comics journal and, uh, read Gary Groth's thoughts on Stan Lee. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have heard, I mean, it gets glossed over, but didn't he just like kind of take a lot from like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and, yeah, you know, well, weren't they the real 
the like real a Bill Finger situation. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, Stan Lee is the guy who just kept on trucking, and he was like the guiding hand of that whole enterprise. I mean, mm-hmm. he he, fuck, he started like in the forties at with Mar- whatever timely, and he was there till uh, whatever. So then he started suing Marvel, <laughs> going into like constant legal battles with them because they weren't paying him enough money. Um, I don't know. It's 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 a complicated thing. He's just this guy, and uh, people have this weird reverence for him now. But they and they don't know anything. Like they just oh, man, they see him in the movies. I know who that is. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, you. That's why he never changed his look for the last like thirty, forty years. <laughs> he kind of like turned himself into this like Disney like figure. He wanted to become just this like trademark of himself, and it worked. Uh, yeah, pretty much. We'll, we'll see uh, how the 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 Stanley legacy ages. I guess. Oh, well, once your book comes out, we'll see if it holds up. That's right. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, we have some children to attend to. Good Lord, Jared. <laughs> After the break, we'll be in paradise. Uh, Podcast paradise. Dead? Mathéiste. Elle tue, j'espère. 
On s'est fait les tuer tous les imbéciles. Évidemment. Et pourtant, ça simplifierait tellement les choses. À cause de toi, à cause de Baptiste, je suis devenu jaloux. Oui, jaloux, moi. Et moi, je ne l'ai pas écouté. Je l'ai pas prise dans mes bras. Non, j'ai posé des conditions. M'aimez-vous comme je vous aime. Et je vais refermer la porte. Cette porte-là pour toujours, entre moi et mon amour. Vous avez la tête trop chaude pour moi, Pierre-François. Et le cœur trop froid. Je crains les courants d'air. Garance. Laisse-la parler. Je veux tout savoir de vous deux. Mais savoir ce qui me reste. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Children of Paradise from 1945, directed by Marcel Carnier. The tagline for the film, The Gone with the Wind of Art Films. Ugh, that's so gross. Uh, oh my God. Uh, where was that used? Uh, and then hmm. the synopsis for the film from Letterboxd. Uh, film during the German occupation, this French milestone centers around the theatrical life of a beautiful courtesan and the four men who love her. Voted the best French film in history by the French Film Academy in 1990. This is mm. a cu- couple weeks in a row we've had uh, these like real lackluster synopses of films where they're like, so here, this is what this movie's about, but here's some accolades so you really believe us that this movie's worth talking about. Um, yeah, it's weird that they do that. It's also weird that uh, this best French film of them ever would uh, forget that movie, uh, The Untouchables, that hit comedy about, uh, you know, the caregiver and, like, <laughs> his, uh, like, thuggish guy from the streets. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the movie, Jared. <laughs> I'm not stereotyping, but you know what? Maybe if they work together, they can learn something from one another. Do you see? Yeah. Do you see? Does Martyrs count as French, or is that French-Canadian? Uh, it's got that French Canadian money. Anyways, yeah. Children yeah, of Paradise. Uh, this was a first time watch for me. Uh, way so way back when I did an interview with that Maurice Yakawar guy. He did some commentary mm-hmm. tracks for Blood of Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein Laserdiscs. Uh, and being a fellow Canadian was played enough to share some time with me way back when to talk about those. And uh, at the time, I'd asked him what his favorite movie was, and he said Children of Paradise. Uh, did I've, you ask him back? What's that? Did you ask him back? No. Oh, okay. That's a long time ago, man. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, he's, he's got busy things to do, you know, no, being, being retired. Uh, yeah. So my copy of Children of Paradise, uh, I got at a pawn shop for $5. Wow. And uh, I've been, you know, waiting for the time. And this was the time to finally watch it. Uh, one random thing I'll mention right now is that it's strange, kind of coincidence, that back-to-back films, eight and a half last week, Children of Paradise this week, we have Terry Gilliam introductions. Um, and uh, I find it uh, kind of like amazing how articulate and succinct uh, Terry Gilliam is when he's talking about films. Uh, something that maybe we could work on uh, on this very podcast, but Don't. I'm sure we're not going to be Don't. doing that. Um, another thing. There's this weird echo chamber I noticed while, like, looking up this movie uh, mm-hmm. with this whole, like, the French Gone with the Wind, the Gone with the Wind 
done right. Uh, it's just like, it's such a strange talking point that like comes up time and time again, whenever people talk about it. And I mean, it just speaks, I think, to like kind of general laziness, um, Mm -hmm. when talking about movies, writing about movies. And here I am perpetuating the echoing by talking about it. Maybe you're the real monster. (laughs) Maybe I'm the real monster. Uh, there's like other ones too. Cause it's like always like, Hey, did you know this movie was made during Nazi occupation of France? (laughs) <laughs> did you hear that this is considered the greatest French film ever made? Did you know that Francois Truffaut says that this is the one movie he wished he had directed? Um, is any of that true? It's all true, RJ. It's all true. You hmm. know, so seeing that this movie clocked in at 190 minutes or whatever uh, a week ago, I was definitely like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> And like in your read, uh-huh. in your read, what this movie's about, you're like, oh boy, it's about like these four dudes looking for a chick, huh? 1945. Mm-hmm. This this is going to be uh, quite the chore. But hey, RJ, this movie's pretty great. So, are you saying that you think that this Maurice Yankelwater uh, was on the level? Am I going to? Well, okay, I'm not going to say you know this is like uh, you know my favorite movie, the best movie I've ever seen by any means. Uh, it seems like this movie definitely has uh, its supporters in a particular age group. Uh, like there's like mm-hmm. you, the, the older you are, if this is like that movie you watch at a particular age, this is like kind of your movie. Um, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. watch watching this movie right now, like, you know, here uh, in the 21st century, uh, it's, it doesn't feel like it, it, it's not cynical and weird in the way that like every movie is made now has a sort of vibe to it. Um, it is, it has this like French fatalism, this, uh, mm-hmm. this attitude toward life and such that is very French, uh, which I guess maybe why this is perhaps the greatest French film ever made. <laughs> I don't know what that mm-hmm. means, but, um, yeah, like I, I thought this movie actually was like pretty awesome. Um, and it's an easy watch. So can you explain? Yeah, so okay, the whole thing, so this movie's broken into two parts. Uh and it there's a divisive moment like a decisive moment right at an hour and 40 minutes where like the first part ends and then the second movie picks up and it's like it's, there's a time jump. Mm-hmm. Uh so the reason this was done that way uh in production was apparently uh Nazis weren't fans of movies that were longer than 90 minutes. Uh, hopefully that is the only thing I share in common with Nazis. Um, but mm, director, director Marcel not. Carnet, so he was convinced, though, that Nazis wouldn't be occupying jack shit in the future. And so when yeah. the film came out, he would just release it uh, the way he wanted to as one film. And uh, so he said, fuck it. And it turned out he was right. Mm-hmm. So he's a smart dude. Um, so yeah, we got two parts in this movie. We got part one, the uh, Boulevard of Criminals. Uh, this is a period piece film. Uh, I haven't mentioned that yet. Set 1828, Gay mm-hmm. Paris, uh, and cool. stars all my favorite kind of people. Thieves, rogues, murderers, prostitutes, actors, midgets, mimes, uh, rag collectors. It's, uh, it's held the whole gamut of uh, great character types. Um, and the movie plot is simple enough. It's a bunch of dudes who all want the same woman and she doesn't know what she wants. Uh, we got ourselves Baptiste, the, uh, the brilliant mime. We have, mm-hmm. uh, Frederick, the, uh, the, the schmoozer bozo actor. 
Uh, we have uh, Lessonier, my uh, writer of letters, criminal mastermind schemer, my dude. Uh, we wind up with latecomer, Count Edouard. Mm-hmm. And we have the lady herself, Garange. Uh, so she is this uh, fine piece of tail that's got all these guys just like gunning for her. Mm. She starts off just kind of like working the, the carny scene, uh, probably sleeping with her fair share of people to get by in this life. And uh, she starts, you know, catching the eye of each of these dudes and working her way up the ranks. Doing uh, what? Working, you know, shaking these dudes, banging, uh. banging them. And uh, so the first half sets up all these relationships and the world, the theater, uh, and all they're kind of like sets up the, where they're going to like rise up in their respective fields. Mm-hmm. Um, a big moment happens in the halfway point, I guess, where it kind of changes the whole trajectory of where everyone's life was going. And then we get a time jump uh, where everyone is mm-hmm. actually now at the top of their game uh, and their lives have moved on from one another. And now they all find themselves being brought back to one another again. And uh, it ruins everything. Kind of. Does it, though? Does it? Or are they the real monsters? <laughs> Indeed. Um, so anyway, yeah, this mm-hmm. movie, uh, I, w- I would not expect that I would uh, really, really like this movie. But mm-hmm. I did actually find myself like really kind of under uh, its mm, uh gaze it's like uh very effective filmmaking like everything about it's like very standard movie making very classic and it's like very classical in its making uh Mm -hmm. everything plays out the exact way you would expect it to um but there's like these like the scenery in this movie the backdrops like these massive throngs of people moving around uh and again when you find out oh yeah this movie was made during the the German occupation of France. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, they had to like do a lot of this stuff, like under watchful eyes. Um, they had like Jewish production designers that were working on this movie. They had to, had to do it in secret. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like, so like, there's like these crazy things where it's like, Oh, here's this like massive street with all these like thousands of people. But in fact, you know, it's not that many people, but like they were building sets of buildings that were like angled in such a way. So when they were shot on camera, it looked like it was like a full size building, but it was like actually just like a little tiny little building. It was, it was like a wall, mm-hmm. and it's like all that sort of stuff. You're like, whoa, that that gets really impressive. And the movie just draws you in. The camera, like for 1945, um, this camera like moves you through it. It's nothing like too showy. It's never like wow, I'm like so blown away by any single moment of it. But it's just like so effortless. Uh, in some mm-hmm. ways, arguably, that's like the best kind of filmmaking, where it's just like completely to the service of the storytelling. Um, but it's like, but if you probably slow down and like went through the film bit by bit you probably pick up on some like real great technique but uh other than that though it's like yeah this is what the story is very simple um mm-hmm. and really really well told um i could go more into my thoughts about this movie but hey rj why don't you oh okay what, what do you what do you think about the, this children of paradise uh children of men as you advertised last week was the movie that i watched so uh, I, I don't mean, know what to do. You're all about those uh, one-shot takes uh, earlier. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's not why I like that movie. But anyways, um, I'm actually surprised that you liked this movie. I didn't think you would because this ticks a lot of boxes that are no-nos for the Jarrett. Um, it has romance. It has a strong female protagonist, which you do not like. Oh, <laughs> You want to go, uh, no, go there, huh? <laughs> no, uh, I didn't think you would like this because it's like uh, it's kind of like melodrama, which, well, actually, 
you know, written on the wind and stuff like that. You actually kind of like that movie, right? And All That Heaven Allows. Mm-hmm. But you dislike other movies <laughs> in similar genres, like Summertime. Great, Summertime is our great go-to. expectations. Great expectations. Summertime. Uh, movies like that. So I, uh, I didn't think you would like this. So I'm a little bit surprised. Um, I think this movie is pretty cool. Uh, I think the technical aspects are very nice. I think there was the production and the camera and all of the things put into this movie uh, are wicked good. The story I was okay with for the most part. Um, I thought it was almost a little bit, a little bit too kind of here and there at times. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But uh, no, I liked Children of Paradise. Um, I think the first, so I watched this on Canopy actually, and they had it broken up into two parts. Yeah. So is the main movie, is there an intermission where they like, they kind no. of say what's so, happening? So, so on, my, uh, on my DVD, it's actually two discs and it's like part mm-hmm. one is on the one disc and it just sort of like, it just goes like, it just fades out with a curtain. Because the movie opens up with curtain open, and then it goes ends with a curtain call, and then the curtain opens up up and has like a whole like uh, new intro, like with the credits and stuff like that. That's part two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's how it is on Canopy too. Is like part two starts with a like a credit and a recap yeah. of what's happened so far. Okay. Good. Um. So I actually thought the first hour of this uh was kind of like I wasn't super into it, but so part one didn't totally hook me but i actually thought part two was pretty good um for part two i think it's like an hour and a half uh that flew by pretty fast for me so i was like oh that's pretty nice for this three and whatever hour long movie that the uh, the back end actually picked up steam for me more than the the front of it um okay things about this movie uh the production uh the production in this movie is pretty spectacular uh i was reminded a lot of gangs of new york uh all the very tall top hats all the penny or like the coats with the tails the canes walking on like cobblestones and things like that i was like oh yeah 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 i bet uh, bet old martin saw this movie once or, you know, that's just what people wore at that time. Also possible. Same, um, same period of time. Same period of time. Yeah. Uh, so that's, um, you mentioned the camera work, uh, not being showy, but it does like, it moves around in a way where it feels, it feels natural, like, like you're the camera kind of, and that's going to sound like really dumb and like lame, but it does kind of put you into the role of the camera where you kind of move around to where you need to be. And uh, it doesn't feel like it's like, oh, here, here's this scene. Here's that scene. Set up the camera. So uh, I like that. Uh, The technical stuff, um, I'm sure there's way more to it than I have looked into or that I can take at face value. But there were a lot of scenes that I thought were super cool. Uh, I really like the crowd scenes. Uh, I like all the, the theater scenes, I think, are really well done. Uh, especially with the big crowds in the theaters. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought all of that was awesome where they just show the mass of people just crowding into the the stands. I think that is really well done. Um, I also liked uh, some of the stage shows. Uh, so there's the one uh, that I think is like a real standout. And I think it's actually in the first part um, where he uh, like the pantomime um, 
what's his name again? Baptiste. Baptiste. Yeah, Baptiste. Uh, he goes into the middle of the stage and then he like walks on spot and then the the stage and the set behind him move kind of like like a scrolling set. And so he's just walking on spot and the set behind him is moving. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I'm sure that's something that they actually did in theater, but uh, I don't go to the theater. Jared, no, me neither. I don't like I don't like being with other people. So, um, yeah, I thought that was super cool, and I liked it quite a bit. Uh, so there's like a lot of technical stuff that I think is is really cool. And uh, one other thing about this movie is it's uh, it's pretty sharp, man. Like the dialogue is pretty pretty spot on. Like it's pretty witty, um, and it's pretty well crafted. Where there's a lot of like there's there's just a lot of one liners. Uh, one that I had written down was um, when she's getting questioned by the police. She says, what do you or they go, what do you call yourself? And she says, nothing. Uh, I'm always here. And it, it it's like stuff like that. I didn't write down any of the others, but it's oh, a lot of lines like that that are just the, very. Uh, the one line that comes to mind is uh, shut up. We can't hear the mime. <laughs> that, see, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Um, so it's it's a very well-crafted, fine artisan screenplay uh with the dialogue i think and i like i like the story mostly um there's just a few things where i was at times i was like it's i think it's too much that all of these guys are so in love with this woman um not that it doesn't happen yeah i'm sure that happens sometimes but like there were some guys like i think the thug character i think for him especially i was like i don't really see the need for him other are, than are to you, create conflict are you talking about lesenier uh like yeah the, the, see i don't know if he's super into her because he's pretty over it like right he, he's like more like offended he yeah he yeah he doesn't like at the bar he's just like oh whatever i don't care and yeah. he even says he's like i'm not gonna let a woman get in my yes. way but he is like a so i guess it's like maybe a way to introduce him but at the same time i felt like they were trying to like not overtly or and it's not like really pressed on you that he is still in the mix somehow because he's not. No, but it was just I don't know the presentation of that, I guess I was like, it kind of I didn't feel it was totally needed, uh, like especially for how long this is. But I guess I mean, he is the, the source of conflict between him. He's the chaotic evil. And then the uh, the count is the chaotic good. Well, he's the uh, he's the uh, Iago, right? Kind of. Like, yeah. That's kind of his role. His thing. Yeah, because he's like, because yeah. he wants to be like, I don't know. He relishes in like, he wants to be known as like the smartest for something. He wants to be famous for something, mm-hmm. and like he's like, oh, he's a really great writer, and uh, so he writes like for all the illiterate people when they need things done because he can just mm-hmm. do it. Because but no, but those, those people he writes for, they're just like, oh, you're pretty good. Like they don't, they're they, like, things are doing me a favor, but they don't appreciate his ability. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he's found it easier in his life to become like a criminal and get all the things that he wanted, but he never gets any appreciation for it because you have to, when you're a criminal, you have to get away with it because otherwise you get caught. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, for me, like that, he's like kind of like the most interesting character. And I love kind of like how mm-hmm. the payoff to his arc is that like, he does like, he does like the best, like, I guess he kills yeah. somebody, but like he like kind of takes it and he's like, yeah, fuck. I, I might as well like, go down for something worthwhile and I'll become famous. Cause he's also based on like a real life character, like a real life person. Do you mean uh, Shakespeare? Yeah. All people are based on Shakespeare. Even mm-hmm. when they're, well, he was a countries. thug, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Thugs. Um, 
So yeah, I found that his like character is like always fascinating because like at the first part, like he's like mm-hmm. his agency is like oh he's just sort of this guy who's like running running uh, the, the the thievery out of his like shop and stuff like that. He's yeah. got all these side angles he's going, and you're like oh he's like the bad guy. And then like well, there's no real bad guys. He's just sort of like the this third wheel. Uh, mm-hmm. in the truck directory and then you wind up with the count who like is probably the more menacing figure because it's like oh he'll just like challenge you to a duel and then he'll just kill you legally and uh because he's like mm-hmm. so like hideously jealous and uh so i find like there's like he kind of trumps everybody and then it's like you yep. get the heroic kind of end i guess of uh yeah gets dispatched with and then he just he does the right thing and saves saves some lives I did think the dueling stuff was pretty funny. Uh, it it reminded me a little bit of Barry Lyndon, some of the stuff that they were doing in the duel, like obviously the dueling, but some of the other ways that the characters kind of talk to each other. But yeah, that's a good point. I didn't totally see that. So I guess that's why you're around here is to point out things like that. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, like I admire a lot of the stuff that the movie does. And um I think it's a really good movie. It didn't totally land for me, but I was, especially in the back uh, half of this movie, I was totally entertained watching it, and I can admire some of the stuff that they were doing. Here's some stuff that I liked in this movie, Jer. Uh, at the opening, you are given a demonstration of that girl's beauty, and there's a line where the people say, when you see her, she will haunt your dreams. I thought that was really funny. Uh, and then you're introduced to uh, a nice guy, uh, a 2018 nice guy, which is the other, the competing actor when he's going around to women and he's like, ooh, you smiled. I saw you. That means you're interested in me. Mm, I don't know if I call him a nice guy because he actually is successful. And, uh, cause, he, cause he, he's, do, he gets successful. Yeah, because he never takes, he, he doesn't, he works with the no. And then yeah. he, he, he doesn't, or he doesn't turn down an opportunity. Because he's, like, very – I mean, he's super charismatic, I guess, like, is the way they play that character, which is, like, the opposite of, like, the nice guy who is, like, by their nature, uncharismatic due to the fact that they're so desperate and they, they, they think they are owed it rather than, like, eh, well, some things go, come come and go, move on to the next one. Usually they pine over the same one until they get her. Mm-hmm. And oh, Yeah, so, I yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, I don't know if that would be a fair description I'd- of him. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I did like his uh, Deadpool theater, though, when he was uh, breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. Right. Were you on board with that? Did that remind you of uh, Ryan Reynolds? Mm, uh, I'll have to to bow down to your uh, knowledge on that one. Okay. Uh, I thought um, it was really, I thought the uh, police statement was super helpful from the mime. Um, and I like that he took it as fact. Oh man, how about that miming though in this thing? That miming is pretty spectacular. No, uh, know, that guy's got great physical comedy. Um, just uh, I'll say this, and then I'll let you take over for the miming. I like when he gets thrown out the window. Yep. And then he just comes in and brushes off the dust. It was kind of mm-hmm. like Chaplin, Chaplin-y, oh, a yeah. little Buster. Well, he, he, well it's very like, his his facials are very like his face. A lot of the time, I was thinking about Buster Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, he's great in that. But anyways, you were going to talk about miming. Yeah, so I I mean, if you were to ask me like a week ago, I'd be like, oh, fucking mimes. Fuck fuck miming. Fuck, mm-hmm. it's stupid. And it's like, are the French into mimes? <laughs> and it's like, yep, some are. And uh, but this is some high-quality miming. 
I think. Mm-hmm. This guy like made it look really good and it was like really well done and like I was following along and it was like the, the his body language shifting between a woman to the fat guy to the 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 mustache twirling. Um it was like all really really well done and like oh this is really good. And then um yep. when he when he started getting into the theatrical stuff and like uh his Perot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, <laughs> or like him uh asking for a rope so he can hang himself. <laughs> Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. You're gonna cough, so I'm just gonna talk for a while. Uh, yeah, he had, he has great like physical comedy and like his his own body in space. I think he he's pretty good. He seems like he maybe did some real acting before he was in this movie, so that's maybe. pretty cool. Maybe a little bit. Um, I think uh, there was one thing that was really funny in the like the intermission. Uh, when they're describing what happens and they're talking about Baptiste missing his chance. And uh, this is a quote, Jarrett. He misses his, uh, the chance to conquer her. Mm. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Uh, and then we get some uh, some grabbing some ass and some tits by the other actor. He's got two babes going on at the same time. That's pretty funny. And then uh, there were some lines in this movie that I actually liked a lot. Uh, there was one, I can't remember who said it, but they're talking to, I think, the main girl, and they say that uh, they say uh, you dream out loud because uh, they're talking about how she like talks in her sleep and she says Baptiste's name or something. But uh, I just kind of like the way that they phrase that. They're like you dream out loud. It's like oh, what a what a nice way to describe life. Uh, and then uh, your boy actually has some of my favorite lines. Uh, the really greasy guy with the hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking and he's like this, Mister Shakespeare. He's like talking about like he's like, yeah, that guy's not all that uh, people think. And he goes, this Mr. Shakespeare thought that was funny. And uh, actually, I don't know if he said this, but someone's talking and they go comedy, tragedy. It's no different. It's like same old stuff. He's like everyone wants the funny. I think it is him. He's like everyone wants the funny stuff. But uh, that's not what I write. And he's like comedy, tragedy. It's no different. And it's like, oh, what a nice little metaphor for like movies in general. And the stories that we tell each other, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, I think uh, Children of Paradise is a very cool movie. I can see why it would be some people's favorite movie, like Maurice Yankowar. Um, I can see why it would be his favorite movie. Uh, God, it definitely has pretty, pretty great technical merit. Um, and uh, it's a very well put together movie. Well, I think it's also very uh, simply told. Like it's like it has yep. this like kind of uh, I guess. Uh, elegant structure like it's kind of tr- like Charles Dickens ish mm-hmm. like there's there's this like oh it has the, these people kind of like in the prime of their life kind of like when they're just about to get ready to get going with the rest of their days and then they all kind of like get sidetracked by one another and then you get the uh, before sunset before sunrise time jump to like when they meet up again uh, and then things yep. go all haywire because he's like well you know Baptiste he got married he's got like the like com- like ridiculously like lawfully like dotting wife who will like accept mm. him no matter what and uh you could debate whether or not she gets kind of what she deserves for being that type of person like for all your loyalty it's like well this is what he's going to do because mm-hmm. he's he's like this is a, a bad fit he gets messed up by her and she's like well that's just what it'll be and you <laughs> so it's like i don't know <laughs> it's kind of weird because you're like oh man what a cad but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like kind of like uh, trying to change somebody's behavior or change their like view. It's just like it's kind of a tough thing to do to expect that. And so 
I could do it. You could do that. Pull it off. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And his little uh, moppet of a son coming along. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. Um, I like – yeah, that's – what's his name? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Hey, what do you think about uh, Baptiste's wife and child and their role that they play in this movie? On the whole? Um, yeah. I mean, they kind of, they kind of play uh, hapless sort of supporting characters to the – the mm-hmm. bigger thing, right? Because it's like, like I was just saying with her, she kind of like, she keeps like, I'm going to be very dutiful and things are going to work out great, right? They're just going to be, this is, I deserve this. If I do this, mm-hmm. everything right. And I just keep smiling and he'll come back to me. Don't worry. And it's like, she completely misreads it. Like, that's mm-hmm. like, we, we know that, like, well, maybe he'll do the right thing, but he's not. He, like, we've seen every time that uh, Garange comes along, he just falls apart. Every 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 single time, so I don't know. It's kind of uh, I don't know. Mm. There's like this. It's, it's, there's like a tragedy in that character, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Because kind of I mean, like the story of Jarrett, like the story of Jarrett. Um, but so you have that. Uh, yeah. Again, kind of going back to Baptiste uh, and the actor who played that character. Uh, he's great. Uh, we talked about the miming. Um, his like mm-hmm. facials and stuff like that. Like he's wonderful to watch. Um, I think he like also I think helped that playing because he's also playing a famous actor who was like famous for playing uh, Perot in this window of time. For, he is. For, yes. Uh, yeah. It's, this is all like kind of loosely based on real life people, at least with in mm. terms of like Lasenier and uh, Baptiste. Um, like it's like one of like the big legendary mimes in this like particular character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like was watching this and I was like, oh yeah, there's like that Kenneth Anger, uh, Rabbit's Moon short film uh, that's like all about like Perot trying to like uh, reach the moon and it's like this impossible goal and he, but he's an absurd mime character so it's like supposed to be hilarious. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he, he can never reach the moon and so uh, Garanche is kind of his moon. It's like this impossible thing that he can't obtain and he has to see it from afar and like that's like an ongoing thing being referenced in those performances. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like these little backdrop things, little uh, pieces of character development uh, as they're playing it out but it's not obvious mm-hmm. because I think some of those illusions are like I think if you're I guess I would say like if you are more literate like maybe in ni- 1945 you would pick up on this stuff but mm-hmm. for like a contemporary audience that stuff is just like oh he's a clown <laughs> like he's a mind whatever and it's like the story t- will, t- will tell you what you need to know um, but yeah. like, there's like that added detail. You're like, oh, you can appreciate these like literary devices that are being deployed, even though time kind of separates it from us. Mm-hmm. Unless you just happen to know this stuff by uh, coming across it uh, via other methods. Because I know you're a big Kenneth Anger fan, right? Kenneth Anger? Yeah, big fan. What is uh? What do you mean by Kenneth Anger? That, that, I don't that, think that, I'm that's, familiar. That, that's that's a name of a director of a guy made things like Lucifer Rising and stuff like that. And he has a film called Rabbit's Moon. Jared, you're losing a lot of people on this right now. (laughs) Rabbit's Moon or Rabbit's Moon? Rabbit's. 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 As in the character. That doesn't seem real. Yeah. I'm just, it's not real. But it's like, but that's like a reference to like this Perot character that like dates back to like the 1700s and 1800s that all these people would play this mime. And there's like a, and there's like a a Godard movie, Perot Le Fou and stuff like that. It's all, it's all part of the same old family of tradition of such and such. Mm. You dig? 
I don't, okay. but uh, I'm going to let you finish anyways. Anyways. So, yeah. Uh, hey, what else do you like about this movie? So, what do, what do you think of uh, uh, Federic, uh, the performance? Do you, do you feel uh, the bit of acting you saw of him uh, as Othello uh, blacking up? Uh, do you think he? Do you think he was like one of the greatest uh, actors of his era? <laughs> uh, not when he was blacked up. Well, I mean, um, the, but, but seeing past that um, affectation of blacking yeah. up, because uh, it was a character playing a character in eighteen thirty-five or something like that. Uh, I don't yeah. know. It's like kind of like I think I think this guy's actually not that good an actor, like as an actor with playing an actor, like. I don't think it mm-hmm. lives up to that. It's just kind of it's kind of clunky or whatever. Not not as good as what we're being told, but that's neither here nor there. It is neither here nor there. And uh, frankly, I'm done with you. Fine. And this, no, uh, he was fine. I thought his um, where he goes off on the theater was a little obnoxious, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> to what am I to say? To each their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? What do you? Uh, hey, you ever done any screen acting, Jarrett? Screen acting, like yeah, uh, yeah. When I've been forced to for like projects and stuff. And how did you fare? Probably not well. Not well? No. Hmm. But I, I would not. Dec- I would never declare myself an actor. Why not? Um, because uh, that would be an insult to people who do this professionally. Oh, yeah. Hey, what else do you think about this movie? Because you seem to like it quite a bit. What are some cool things uh, that uh, I missed? So, uh, Count Edward, uh, he's he, the, the the evil count. Oh, okay. The money man with his mm-hmm. uh, rocking the Jerry Lawler hair. Oh yeah, yeah. He oh man, yeah. He's just uh, I don't know. He's like the worst kind of human being in a lot of ways. He, he is. He can buy everything, and uh, when he doesn't like something, he wants to kill it, and uh, that's how he lives his life. He's like, yeah, he's the worst, and so when he dies, it's like, hooray, he's dead, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know his arc, and then I guess like yeah, then I don't know. We've given a lot of uh, chat to uh, uh, Garanche, the, the the lady, the the mm-hmm. the, the, the chaste woman, um, perhaps the actress uh, was it. Appellant or something like that. She maybe is a little too on the older side to be playing this like this hot to trot woman that like everyone's chasing after. But I think, well, I think but I think her performance though and like kind of presence though makes up for that. Yeah, she's got she's got pretty good presence. But while I was watching it, I did find it a little hard to. Well, I mean, I'm not lusting after her, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that four other guys aren't. Yeah. They very well could be. I don't know. Who am I to say? Who are are either of us to say? People don't find us attractive, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, most people don't, but... (laughs) Or do they? Email in if you find either me or Jared attractive. (laughs) Mostly Uh, me, though. Just let me know. Or Letty. That's That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, what's up with that? Is she like a Madonna-type deal? Is that why... I I guess so. Okay. That's fine. Uh, you should yeah, you should is, go buy is, a one name and this is the only movie of hers that I've seen. Was she even in other movies? Yeah, like what forty other movies. Uh, but uh, P- Pierre uh, Brasseur, uh, 
Frederick. Uh, he's in a whole bunch of uh, future creeps. He's in that uh, Eyes Without a Face. He's in mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. another uh, Marcel Carnier movie that's coming down the pike. Isn't he in Dumb and Dumber? Uh, no, he's not. Dumb and Dumber 2? Dumb yeah. and dumber Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, uh... I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like the the quality of this movie, RJ, is self-evident. This is a fine, fresh-baked artisan film. Yeah. I, we can I, both I thought, agree on yeah. that. I mean, it's like one of those this big kind of uh, produced, produced movies that, like, works really well. Like, all the factors are there. Um, this is the sort mm. of movie that your uh, French New Wave uh, in its infancy, mm. this is the sort of movies that it would reject as being, you know, too stodgy. Um mm-hmm. And not direct enough, not like getting to the core of things. Um, and maybe in some other movies, I would agree on that front. But I think here, this movie is just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to watch this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I don't know, I, again, I don't know if I'd be like, this is the greatest French film ever made. That's absurd. And people always say things like that. I don't know what would be. Um, I don't know if uh, either of us would be saying that it should be the 400 blows either. But uh <laughs> I think we can all agree that the 400 Blows is not, not the greatest a good French movie. Film. Well, it's definitely not the greatest French film ever made. Um, no, but no, RJ, no. I wonder what who hates Children of Paradise. Hey, do you think that the artist is the greatest French film ever made? No. Okay, here's wait. Before we get to who hates this movie, let me give you a couple more. Do you think that? Uh, Jules and Jim is the greatest French film ever made. I like that movie quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I've known some people oh. who really like French movies that don't really like that movie very much. Or think That's it's, bizarre. Or, or they think it's just okay. But I mean, like, I think my first time watching that movie, I was completely blown away watching that. What about uh, Raw and Blue is the Warmest Color? New French. Okay, mm. here's a real one for you. What about A Trip to the Moon by uh, George Millet? Well, I don't know, RJ. Yeah, it was actually pretty hard to just, uh, when I Googled French movies, that's all that came up. So That's it, huh? That's wow. it. Yeah, tell me about uh, people who hate Children of Paradise. Me, me, Millie. Okay. One and a half stars. Hmm. Four different dudes hit on one woman for three hours, 15 minutes. I mean, it's a pretty accurate description. Is it, though? Is it? Uh, Mimi Millie, uh, a big, big Wes Anderson fan. What do you guess their two favorite Wes Andersons are? The answers might surprise you. Uh, Darjeeling Limited. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise Kingdom. They also like Vertigo and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Hmm. They've also been watching a lot of Criterions. They just watched Ordette. They just gave Letra five stars. They might even be listening to this very pod, Jared. Yeah, if they just watched Letra, M five stars, Sunset Boulevard. But here's the real kicker, Jared. Your new favorite movie, Hereditary, five stars. Wow. Avengers and Infinity War, five stars. Shape of Water, three billboards. Last Jedi, all five-star films. Knox Gray, two mm. stars. It fell over long. 
I didn't care about the characters and the visual. The visuals are only truly interesting when they are depicting theater. It felt over long. No, it's it's over long or it's not. Come on. Uh, Knox Gray likes Paris, Texas. The Devil's Backbone, a movie called Chaser. I don't no, know what that is. Yeah, it's a South Korean movie. They don't have a lot of uh, ratings other than five stars. So I don't know if we can trust their opinion. But they did give Mandy five stars. Mm. And I think this is a repeat. Hannah Kay. Mm, uh, yeah, maybe. Two stars. Children of Paradise is split into two distinct halves. And sadly, they are not equally good. The first half is fascinating, charming, and original, while the second half devolves into a very traditional story of tragic and lost love that undoes everything good set up by the first half. I found myself strongly disliking my favorite characters more and more as I watched the second act. Extremely mm. disappointing after I watched the first half, or uh, extremely disappointing after I enjoyed the first half so much. And I've actually seen a few people talk about how much they really love the first half, which is con- weird. contrary to you. Yeah, that's uh, super weird. I don't know why people like the first half. I thought the second half was better. Do you have an opinion at all? I liked both the same. I I, I thought I I, I enjoyed it all the way through. Yeah. So I think Hannah Kay has been on the show before. Uh, She likes Casablanca, Annie Hall, Moulin Rouge, uh, Love Actually. They just watched Autumn Sonata. They gave it four stars. They just watched Quite On and gave it four stars. Ugh. Here's the good thing, though. Uh, so they might be a fan of the show, too. Uh, Quite On, Cleo from 5 to 7, Autumn Sonata. They're watching a lot of these. Uh, Hannah Kay just watched Call Me By Your Name and gave it the same rating I did, two and a half stars. Hmm. You can read about my review on why I think that's a two and a half star movie. Hannah also gave Holes five stars. I kind of agree. Holes is a good movie. Uh-oh. Jarrett's favorite movie, Chicago, five and a half stars. Five and a half stars? Yep. <laughs> they hacked uh, Letterboxd. They gave it five and a half. Well, yeah, everyone gets one five and a half star re- review. Yep. I don't know if you knew that. And, they, and everybody gives it to Chicago. Uh, five stars to Shrek. That's pretty cool. Wow. Hey, listen to me. I'm talking about Shrek over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually, I, I'm on board with a lot of uh, Hannah Kay's ratings, but uh, what did they rate this movie to? That's a little unfair. Great. It's a little unfair. <laughs> you got any other brain busters for me? No, that's it. Uh, okay. No, it's, it's, it's interesting, though. It seems like uh, the only people who are watching Children of Paradise these days are uh, Criterion people. Criterion people. You're absolutely right, Jarrett. No, that, I was going to say it, and you beat me to it. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who the audience for this type of movie is anymore. Like, us? Like us, like people who have to watch these movies in order or people who are like checking movies off of lists of like 100 best films you should watch before you die. Like that's who this movie appeals to or is like kind of told to. It feels like an instructional thing. And then when people see 190 minutes, they're like, hmm, I'll pass, I'll pass. And that's what I was doing for a really long time. But uh, I think this movie is like just like a really well told movie of this of this type of story. Um, whether or not it's like, is it a like a sweet smell of success or something like that, where it's like this like gritty, like incredibly well made, well written, great memorable characters beyond belief that like everyone should watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is anymore. 
But I'd be like, this movie's really good for like uh, this window of time. That's like, yeah, this movie. I mean, I'd watch this before I'd watch Gone with the Wind again, like yep. for sure. Hey, I mean, for me, Jer, for me personally, my opinion, uh, I might not have like loved it, but I'm not too much of an asshole that I can't admit that this is a, a pretty pretty good movie. Like, it, it's really well made. <laughs> like, like, do, do you, does that make sense? Like. I, I liked I enjoyed it I didn't really like love it or anything like that I, I won't think of it that much anymore but I can see why other people like it and I don't think it's bad it's not like other movies like 400 blows or Salo where I'm just like I don't really get it but uh I get this I see why people like it I get it it's like the Dave Navarro of movies I guess it makes me think about kind of like bigger picture ways of how we view things that we consume i guess so how do you I, consume i don't know i don't know how i consume things anymore but i'm like thinking about the way you're talking about this movie and it's like mm-hmm. so you say this is like a, a four-star movie but it's kind of like oh, i don't know i wouldn't ever think about it again it's like what <laughs> it's like four stars to me is so, like that's like a that's got to be a pretty good movie but, but are we measuring it in terms of like other criterion films so and, here, here's and like, the thing yeah here. We often conflict on ratings for movies. I feel that I mostly try to rate objectively where I think this is a four-star movie where if other people are like, should I watch Children of Paradise? And I'd be like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. You might get more out of it than I did. I think it's a four-star show. If I was rating it for my own thing, I would maybe give it a three-star. But I feel like it's better than that, even though that's all that I liked it. So I think it's difficult to be to put labels on these things. And I know some people do the hearts or the not hearts. It's like I whether you like it or not. But I also don't think that's fair because sometimes it's like, yeah, I liked it or I didn't like it. But this is what it's actually rated. I don't know. I think it's difficult to say, Jared. I think it's difficult to say. I don't know if it's difficult to say. I think hey, I, you've dabbled between rating things and not yeah, rating well, I, things. I, I, yeah, because I, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know, who, what movies does that, what, what does rating movies actually benefit? Like, who does that actually benefit? It's kind of like how why Amazon, so? Amazon sends, like, these emails after you buy a product from them saying, hey, sp- spare a moment to review this product. And you're just like, why? And it's like, because mm. it's like, it'll help us sell more things and build like an aggregate to tell people how to purchase things. And so mm-hmm. there's that always that element that's like weird with letterbox. Like at the end of the day, you don't know where that information is going to go or where it's going to get used. And mm-hmm. uh, like, because one day letterbox will just be like, hey, we're going to sell uh, our assets to Paramount. And now they and now they own it, and that or like whoever, whatever parent company has it, they now own all the reviews the rating information, the demographic, because you always tell them how, what year you were born, your age. They can probably start deciphering where you're watching movies, how you're watching movies, how often you're watching movies. And it's like that weird thing where it's like, this is like a fun hobby using Letterboxd, and it's great for cinephiles because movie people really like keeping lists and like sharing information and finding about movies. So it's always like a weird thing about like rating a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what does that mean? Or like how we talk about it even, and then how... We, there's a point in time where we t- would talk about a movie in a particular type of way, but now because like we're kind of programmed to like rate movies into, into like these sort of like products and like I would, I wouldn't consider this a great film, but I think other people would enjoy it. And it's just like why do why do we talk like that? It's really strange because it's like in, 
Yeah. Well, do you, do you, would you rather I just be like, yeah, it's, this movie's fine, but I didn't take much out of it. Well, it's just like a, I guess this is a bigger conversation, I guess, as far as like how. This is a bigger conversation. Right. But I mean, beyond like a podcast. <laughs> oh, are you talking about like woke stuff? No, I'm just, well, I'm just talking about like how the conversation about around movies proceeds like how Twitter's used and stuff like mm. that. And like hey, Jerry, and the, the rush to like talk about movies as quickly as possible. And like, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't like that, but Hey, you get the world that you deserve. No, you don't. You, you kind of just get the world that you're born into and then it's yeah. what it is. And then you can like decide to like engage with it as much as you want, I suppose. But the world kind of will march along with or without you. I mean, if you want to. Yeah. You can. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, man. We're all just trying to be. That's it. Allegedly. Anyways. Allegedly, yeah. That was a tangent. <laughs> I think you're kind of a tangent. Yeah. Sometimes. So, yeah. Not a, not a bad way. It's just, you know. Children of Paradise. A worthy viewing. Uh, I think other people would enjoy this movie. Here you go. Did I enjoy it? Mostly. Sure. <laughs> what does that mean? Sure. <laughs> Do you know what that means, Jared? <laughs> it means that I enjoyed it mostly. Well, but that qualifier actually sounds more negative and backhanded. I think you're kind of negative and backhanded. Have you ever thought about that? After the break... <laughs> RJ's going to get drowned in a bathtub. A better man have tried. Then I'm getting the guillotine, and I'm okay with that, because it was worth it. Hey, do whatever you want to do. something funny so rj when uh the grunge of your life comes back in is it all gonna go right to shit again did you say the grunge of my life the grunge what is the grunge i don't know oh grunge. grunge yeah this movie we've been talking about for the last two hours oh i oh. whenever i read it i was like grunge <laughs> like garanch like ranch yeah. Uh yeah, everyone has their um their thing. <laughs> I don't want to say anything too incriminating. <laughs> this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to mess up my real life. Well, there's no more such thing as a private life anymore. There could be. It's all public. 
Oh. Hey, scrub my name from all these podcasts. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and incriminate yourself to loved ones. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the Letterboxd if you want to see what we're talking about next. Uh, I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. we got a Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, all those things. Mm-hmm. Next week's Spine 142, Peter Weir returns to the Criterion Plate as we watched his film, or will watch mm-hmm. that film, The Last Wave from 1977. Um, are, have we ever talked about Master and Commander on this show? Uh, not in the Criterion Collection, but we have talked about Picnic at Hanging Rock. We have two extensive amounts. We've talked about a Truman Show, though, no? Not in the Criterion Collection. Well, but I mean on the podcast. Probably. Hey, did you know it's uh, Master and Commander's like 10 or 15 year anniversary? I'm going to talk about other Peter Weir movies that I like because I don't know what the last wave is and I don't really care. (laughs) Well, you'll have to watch it anyway. Hey, remember Gallipoli with Mel Gibson? Yeah, that movie's not great. Uh, Mel Gibson runs in a crop top in that movie, Jarrett. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? (laughs) Indeed. All right. Well, whatever. Whatever. Good night. Um, fart stuff. <laughs>